as the company gets bigger and more successful, the decisions we have to make actually get simpler, but scarier. And there's less and less need to be clever and more and more need just to be brave. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Fivetran is a notable Silicon Valley success story, not just because it's worth more than $6 billion after its latest round of funding. We'll talk about that later, but also because of its founders. I'm George Fraser. I am the co-founder and CEO of Fivetran. I'm Taylor Brown. I am the other co-founder with George. Uh, I am the chief operating officer. And he's the one who actually does all the work. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask you about that. I'd say George is the brains and, and I'm the muscle. George and Taylor run Fivetran together, and it's that founder's relationship that first interested me in the company. A friendship that dates back to boyhood and yearly family trips to a cabin in Wisconsin. Initially, no, I, n- I never thought we would be starting a company together. I was actually closer friends growing up with Duncan who's George's little brother. Um, he and I got into a lot of mischief together, like crashing golf carts and, and uh, you know, almost beaching uh, motorboats and like that kind of stuff. Whereas uh, I did a lot of fishing and things of that nature. <laughs> tennis, <laughs> fishing, reading. Um, yeah, lots, but, lots of reading. But I think at some point when we both moved to San Francisco around the same time, it started, like, I think both of us wanted to start our own company and it, it occurred to me it could potentially happen at some point. Like that could be a good, a good union. My family meets in Minnesota uh, every year, and I have an Uncle Elwin who will be 10 times the man I am forever. He's a deer hunter and a farmer, et cetera. Uh, But I try to imagine explaining to my Uncle Elwin, and I guess I'm guessing you guys have an Uncle Elwin or something equivalent, right? We got all kinds of Uncle Elwins. All kinds of Uncle Elwins. There's 12 cabins and 12 extended families, and there's it's 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 quite a network altogether. <laughs> we're we're talking about hundreds of people. Excellent. Okay. So get get you know picture your most uncle uncle Elwin in your in your head. How do you explain to Uncle Elwin what it is you do in this office? I I feel like we George and I have tried to tell my dad like maybe five or six times exactly what we do and he still doesn't get it. Um uh, you know, there's various different analogies that that I think we've used over that I've used over the years. For example, 
like, hey, you know, we, we are the, the moving truck for our companies and we help them, you know, take their data to a storage unit for their data. And then they use that, you know, data for analytics and other things that sometimes helps. Um, but oftentimes people say, well, what is data? And like, why do I, you know, where do I generate data? And, and, and so I think it really depends on, you know, the audience. Yeah, I, I pretty much always say the same thing, which is that companies have lots of data. This data lives in all kinds of different places, but you can't really do anything with the data unless you get it all in one place. And that's what we do. And some people understand that. And the people who don't understand it usually say, oh, you mean like, and then they say something that's completely wrong. And then I just say, yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And when you explain to Uncle Elwin all this and he says, how's it going? And then you say, well, I mean, we have a five point, what, six billion dollar valuation. Yeah. What, What does Elwin say? Uh, I mean, usually Elwin's pretty impressed or the, the, the families around me. $5.6 billion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, we try, I don't try to talk about it that much in terms of like, Hey, we're worth all this money. No, I think sure, it's more no, like, right. Hey, we I mean, built this great be, business and, you know, yeah. and, and, and honestly try not to talk about business that much up at the cabin anyways. Right. I'm the one who forced this scenario. So, right. But, no, but I mean, somebody's going to ask, you know, certainly. well, how, how's it going? And then I just, it's, you know, wait, the boys did what? They made a what? Definitely people feel like that a little bit. <laughs> yes, they do. And the, the fun thing is I think there's a camaraderie because even in the very early, earliest days, we had a few folks from the cabins that invested. Um, and there was always folks cheering on the sideline and expecting a lot out of, out of George and I because this is the first venture that's ever come out, as far as we know, um, you know, come out of the, the, the kind of collective group there. And so it's, uh, it's been a big win, I think for the whole kind of the whole community and, and, you know, certainly my folks have, have been very proud of us. Yeah. It's, and remember it's, it's a tight knit, longstanding community. And, and overall, I, I think everyone's very proud and everyone feels like, yeah, this is, this is great. This is right. Like, like this is, you know, a special community and that it, that it, help to give rise to this great thing makes sense. Did you ever consider doing uh, co-CEOs? I mean, a number of companies, including a number of companies in the data space have done co-CEOs. Was that ever a thought? No. I mean, so the funny thing is actually George came from a company prior who had co-CEOs and uh, we just, it was never really on the table for us. I mean, I think it was like, we talked a bit about like who should be the CEO, who shouldn't. And when you're, you know, two people, it doesn't really matter initially. I think, as we've grown, I mean, George has certainly grown into the CEO role. And I think him understanding the technology first and foremost, um, and kind of him as a leader within the company, it just, it just works. Like, I think we've just kind of gotten into the right mode. And then I think I like filling a lot of the gaps around it, which is kind of the, well, what does a COO do every day? Well, we do all the stuff that like George doesn't necessarily want to do. And we go figure out like, or I go figure out, or my team or our team, like what else do we need to do to, to operate this business? And it's a really good relationship. I mean, I think that we certainly are, you know, we talk to each other's teams all the time, but we're focused usually on very different things and we have very different approaches towards it. And that combination works quite well still. Yeah, it's interesting. We really do divide the company up (laughs) and tend to focus on different things day to day. There's all kinds of things at Fivetran, which you could ask me and I just have no idea. I do not know the answer. I say, ask Taylor. Uh, <laughs> and um, and that that reflects that it's rude, I think, just that we are very different uh, and we, we know that. And so we've gravitated towards different things over the years. 
Um, it also reflects that we trust each other a lot. And so we're not sitting there worrying about whether the other person is handling their part of the picture well. Uh, we, we both know that they are, and it, it allows us to really have like a, a multiplicative effect. And our board has commented on this over the last couple of years on how well we work together. And um, a great example of this was the HVR acquisition, where there really was a handoff going from, you know, the 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 transaction and the fundraising and into the integration phase. And and there was a period of time where, you know, we were we were trying to, I was trying to close the deal. And meanwhile, Taylor was spinning up the whole integration machine. And then I remember the day after the deal closed, I was like, boy, I hope Taylor has a good plan for integration because I have no idea what's in there. And of course he does. HVR is a big acquisition. HVR is a big acquisition and it is highly unusual to jump to such a big acquisition. Yes. We paid $700 million in a mix of cash and stock, which is a great outcome for the HVR investors and employees and founders. I'm just thinking, I mean, you're you're, you're buying a, a new car. Most of us, you know, the biggest decision we make is buying a car or buying a house. And you guys spent $700 million was there ever a moment you thought to yourself, oh, I hope this is the right thing to do? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I had never, uh, I've never bought anything that cost $700 million before that. And I can tell you it involves a lot of lawyers. Um, but, you know, it's funny. There was lots of due diligence and validating that it was the right thing to do. But from beginning to end, it was clear uh, that it was the right thing to do. As I said, the the logic of the combined company is so compelling. It was sort of obvious from day one to day 60 of the process. And it's a great example of something I've observed over the lifetime of Fivetran is as the company gets bigger and more successful, the decisions we have to make actually get simpler, but scarier. And there's less and less need to be clever and more and more need just to be brave. <laughs> I say to Taylor all the time, let's not overthink this. Uh, the main danger is, is not uh, failing to see the intricacies of some decision, but uh, of just overthinking it, which is very strange because in the early years, it was the opposite. You know, you had to, you had to be really clever uh, every day in order to claw your way up from uh, obscurity <laughs> into being a real company. But the larger we get, uh, you know, it, it requires... Uh, a little bit less cleverness and a lot more bravery to do these things. Well, as as George often would say, be be bold and be right. Yeah, that's one of my Steve, Steve Ballmer. That's one of my favorite quotes. It's it's something Steve Ballmer said to Satya Nadella when when he handed off being CEO of Microsoft. Be bold and be right, and and I love it just because you know be bold is is very real, and and you need to have that boldness. I. I um, find myself uh, needing to draw upon boldness uh, regularly. Um, but you also need to be right, and you can't give short shrift to that either. It's no good to be bold if you're being bold doing the wrong things. And I, I think sometimes people talk themselves into the idea that they just need to be bold, and that is not true. You need to be right. <laughs> <laughs> Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery 
to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With this huge Series D, right, uh, uh, investment, which is it's just enormous. How big is it? Uh, 500-something million dollars came in. Isn't it amazing you're like rounding millions of dollars? So 500 and, and change, right? Yeah, I think it was 565 if I remember yeah. correctly. Uh. <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, that's a mind-boggling, um, you know, or at least a couple of years ago, that would have been a mind-boggling investment. Absolutely. But it, 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 it boggles you know, my mind even now. Even now. Even as we speak. It, it puts pressure on you. Nick Meta talks about, uh, over at Gainsight, talks about how you know, you get to a certain valuation and, uh, and he talks about, you know, the, the, the wall of logos of, of customers that you, you paste onto the wall. We've got these guys, we've got these guys, all as customers, that there are a finite number of customers. Uh, and at some point, you, you will find that finite point uh, and then you need to live up to that valuation. And, and, and he says it can be scary. The scariest thing for every startup is that you'll hit that wall, that TAM wall. I'm going to break in here real quick. TAM, total addressable market. The number of people who can buy your stuff. The scariest thing for every startup is that you'll hit that wall, that TAM wall, where it turns out that there's a, you know, you've reached you're, you're, or you're approaching the limit of how many customers there really are out there who want yeah. your thing. And in many ways, as a founder, you don't really control this. You can try to choose a space that has a big TAM, but there is a big piece of luck there. Um, now, you can screw it up. <laughs> you can be in a big TAM and you can mess it up. And there are lots of companies who were started doing the same thing as us around the same time, and, and none of them have grown as valuable as we have. Um, but there's definitely a piece of luck there. But we have recognized uh, what a great market we are in. And we are just continuing to invest aggressively in order to dominate it. Um, the 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 story of Vivetran is just watching the TAM unfold as the company grows along with it. What keeps you up at night, Taylor? You know, honestly, there's there's like there's not that much that keeps you up at night. Like I, I like to joke, and George and I laugh about like right after we launched our first product, or you know, the the we we kind of went public with our pipeline product in 2015. The next year and a half, we spent largely growing the business on revenue. And it was like, you know, George and Mel, and then a couple of their engineering folks that we hired to build and, and maintain the connectors and myself to sell it and to do the marketing and the partnerships and everything and bring George in to be like the, you know, technical seller with me. And like, you know, that I would say 18 months were so hard because we had to keep the business afloat, making enough money every month to pay the bills, to keep growing it, that 
it really like burned out the stress, you know, receptors, I think in, in our body or my body. And, and, and like, we were able to make it through that. And that kind of helped show us that like, look, we can, we can bet ourselves and we, we can be successful. And then, you know, ever, ever since then, yeah, there's things that come up. Um, but you know, we deal with them and they're not as, you know, stressful and complicated, I think is that time. And now it's pretty straightforward. You know, you set a goal and you go after it. I, I completely agree. That period of time was the most, uh, stressful period of the company, believe it or not, even though it was so much smaller at that point, you could have asked either of us and we would have known at any given point in time, exactly how much was in the bank, uh, what the total salary cost was, what, uh, receivables were out there that we were expecting to get, uh, in the next few weeks, um, and one of the lessons I drew from that period was uh, a lot of empathy for every small business owner out there who was running a laundromat or a restaurant or a little accounting firm, because that's the world they live in. And they don't get to have a billion dollar company at the end. Um, so I, I really uh, uh, I have a lot of uh, admiration for the people who do that year after year because it is not easy. You've got a you've got a retreat coming up. Yeah, so every, every year, well, we had to take a couple of years off because of COVID, we do what we call Camp 5Tran, where we bring everyone together from across the world, or as many folks as we possibly can, to a place um, where we get together for the week. And so the last few times, we've gone to a dude ranch in Colorado. And, uh, and the kind of rule is, to a large degree, no work. The only rule is you have to come to meals. You have to show up and come to meals and the purpose of the of, of the week is really just to get to know each other and to build relationships and build trust because we've since we were a 12 person company and we started our office in in Bangalore and we were 12 people so we've been an international company since then and we continued to add more and more offices so getting the chance to bring everyone together is is absolutely critical and and this really stems i would say from our 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 place up in Wisconsin where you know the only rule was you had to go to meals <laughs> And outside of that, you know, everything, including taking naps, is an activity, and you can do whatever you want. It's a very fun uh, tradition we have at at, uh, at Fivetran now. Um, it we we um, some people do have to work uh, yes. <laughs> for part of the time. I mean, yes. sales and support and things have to go sure. on. Um, but we we try to keep it under control, and uh, we have all kinds of activities. It's very much like summer camp for grownups. So if you choose to partake, you can go do, you know, archery and <laughs> riflery and horseback riding and all kinds of stuff. It's really great. And a lot of great ideas have come out of Camp 5 Train. Um, because there's so much unstructured time, it's a recipe for serendipity where people just talk about things and a lot of great things that have, have shipped to production started there. At some point, logically, you will become a public company. And some of this will change a little bit. I mean, there will be pressures that are quarterly pressures. Um, can you maintain what it is you're both grinning about when you talk about how much you like your company as a public company? I think so, because at its core, Fivetran is an incredibly straightforward business. Um, we're in the data movement business, and everyone understands how important data is in the public markets. Uh, there's lots of precedent. Uh, other highly valued companies in the, in the data business. Uh, and as customers add more data sources and we add more customers, uh, we provide more value and we make more money. And so it's a, it's a very, you can, you can see how that grows and grows and grows into the future for many years. And so I think, uh, I think the public markets are going to love Fivetran. 
I would add from a cultural standpoint, I mean, scaling any business and maintaining your culture or enhancing your culture is, is hard. It's complicated. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And it starts with hiring the right folks and just really having a values-based culture and, and protecting those values. You know, going public is, is, is just another kind of speed bump or, or kind of challenge that we'll have to face with that culture as well. And I'm sure there will be tweaks and changes to it and it's always evolving, but I think it's a challenge that our culture can can with you know withstand and will withstand. By now, I think you can tell that George and Taylor are pretty relaxed and confident guys. I had brought with me to the interview one of those how well do you know your spouse quizzes. It's not designed for high-tech co-founders, but I knew they were friends, and I figured if they turned out to have a good sense of humor, they might like it. And I was right. So I stole this from the internet. Uh, this is a how well do you know your spouse quiz. Oh, boy. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you willing to play? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let's play. Do you want the one in my left hand or my right hand? I'll take the one in your left hand. Very good. That's yours. And that's yours. And, George, we'll start with you if you'll read out the uh, question aloud and then uh, answer it. Obviously, about Taylor. The question is, who does he most admire? Hmm. Probably some some uh, some great sports figure or coach would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I suppose we should get answer and decide if these are right or wrong as we go. Um, the uh, Bill Campbell certainly is is someone I admire. So so like on the right path there. Um, Bill Campbell was both a he's a he was a, co- a football coach, but then he also became a world renowned CEO and then CEO coach. Um, so, you know, him, I think other folks like Andy Grove are, are certainly, you know, big time admire. I'm a big time admirer of those, of those folks. Taylor, why don't you read your first one? What food would he never get sick of? I would say there's two things. I'm going to go with a sandwich from whatever sandwich shop or sandwich place he makes or make the sandwich that he makes every day. And then also, uh, I think Indian food, I think there's a certain Indian food. He's always searching for the best Indian food, but those would be the two that I would I would say. That's absolutely right. I, I do, in fact, eat the same thing for lunch every day. Uh, and what sandwich? What kind of sandwich? It's, it's a turkey sandwich with Swiss cheese, uh, yellow mustard, mayonnaise, and uh, avocado <laughs> on sourdough toast. <laughs> and, uh, and I finally found another good Indian place. I moved from San Francisco <laughs> to the East Bay, and I used to live across the street from the best Indian restaurant in San Francisco, and it was fantastic. It was the best thing about that apartment. And then I couldn't find another Indian place up to my standards, but I finally found one, uh, Tiger Lily in Berkeley. Fantastic. Perfect. I had it last night, actually. Oh. <laughs> there you go. All right, you win this round. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Your turn. All right, the next one is what's his favorite movie? <laughs> I really don't know this one. I don't know if I have a favorite movie. I mean, I like. I yeah, because you're not like a huge TV movie guy. No, I mean, I like. I've been watching more of the classics re- recently. So even like Forrest Gump, I, I mean, you can't not like that one. Um, but yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say there's like I have a favorite movie kind of person. Uh. What's his secret ambition? Hmm. I would say I don't know. I actually 
I oddly would say that it, it would be like being able to, this is from years ago, work from home, or there were times when he would just lie on the couch and work. And it would be like running the company from his couch would be the would be the thing I'd say. But the funny thing is now he's he works from home and he has like a great little office. And so you're like pretty close to being able to do that right now. That's not my secret ambition. I don't know. What's your secret Come ambition? It's Starting in <laughs> I mean, I think the actual the real ambition was to start a company, and that's already happened. So maybe it's to get to level four in tennis. That's that's not a secret. <laughs> that is an ambition. Yeah. Have we got more left? We do. Who is his favorite relative? Ha, huh, this one's easy. His mother. Oh. It's true. Amy. It's true. <laughs> I'm a mama's boy for sure. Um, all right. My last question is if he could travel anywhere, where would he go? Um it would definitely be the cabin in Wisconsin. That's right. <laughs> I hate to travel except there. Bringing it back to the cabin. The last question, which I didn't give you, uh, and again, this was from a, a marriage quiz, is uh, where do you see us in 10 years? Uh, so, you know, where do you see you and this company in 10 years, George? Well, we've been running it for just about 10 years so far. And I would not be surprised if we are still running it in 10 years uh, because the runway ahead of us is just so, so long. Yeah. Taylor? Same. Yeah. Running Vivetran. I mean, by then we're a public company and like, you know, I think much larger company, but I think outside of that, we're still, we're still just chugging along. There's probably still actually a lot of headroom past that. Perfect. This, this will be a multi-generational company and that's what we're aiming to do. So you will be those, those old pictures on the wall you know, in, in some office somewhere 50 years, 100 years from now. Exactly. Who are those old guys? The, the Hewlett Packard, like, who are those old farts? Taylor Brown and George Fraser, co-founders of Fivetran, which recently raised a more than half billion dollars Series D led by Andreessen Horowitz. Hey, before I go, though, I was talking to some of the folks who know podcasting far better than me. And it turns out, if you comment or rate this podcast, it helps surface it on podcast lists. Now, rate whatever you think is right. Comment any way you see fit. But I'd sure appreciate the effort. Sandhill Road is produced by Sean Myers under the leadership of Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.